for the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Uh, blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango. At Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ace Love Podcast. Advice, sex, love, understanding, and trust, as well as anti slut shaming. We don't want any of that nonsense here either. But welcome to today's episode. Today I talk with Nordia Black. Some of you might know who she is, some of you might not. She is a kinky, polyamorous slut by her own self-admission. And it was a really, really good chat today. We talked about all things kinky, a bunch of stuff around polyamory and relationship anarchy, which was really, really cool, really interesting, really fun. And yeah, it was really, really cool. I'm glad to have another guest on the podcast and to be able to talk about this stuff and get this stuff all moving in the right direction around being comfortable talking about this sort of stuff. So yeah, really, really cool chat, really, really cool person as well. Um, You can find her on the internet in every way, shape and form, basically, uh, at Naughty Black. And you can find her podcast, her new podcast, at deviancepodcast.com, as well as all the usual places. Um, What's happening with me? Well, I've started a girl I was dating. um, I'm no longer dating, which sucks. Um, But I am uh, potentially seeing another few people, which I'm really quite excited about. Uh, We'll see what happens there. Uh, I've been working. As always, I don't really let up on the whole working thing. Um, yeah, honestly, there's not a lot happening in my life at the moment. Um, we'll see how it goes with these with these people that I am going to be seeing and see where that leads eventually. And maybe it's, um, yeah, maybe it'll go somewhere. Maybe it won't. I'll um, keep in touch with you guys listening about all of that as well. And been looking at some new sex toys, I've been looking at buying a new house, um, yeah, but apart from that, we'll just see where things, where things go in this next week until I talk to you guys again, um, I'll, I will stop talking now, and we'll get straight into the interview, it is quite a long one, um, it is with Nordia Black, and please, Enjoy.
welcome to the podcast, Miss Nadia Black. How are you? Hello, I'm so good. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> hey, I'm excited to have you on. I'm really, really stoked because we've been talking for a fair while now, right? And um, I have a guest spot on your podcast coming up. And um, yeah, so tell us a wee bit about yourself, I guess, first. Yes, you and I are basically kinky besties at this point. Um, so for those of you that don't know, I'm the hostess of the Deviants podcast, which is a show all about freaks and weirdos who are proud of their freaky weirdness. It's about living and loving on the fringes of society, and you can find it at deviantspodcast.com. And for me, myself, I am a kinky, polyamorous relationship anarchist pansexual slut <laughs> that's really all you need to know about me yeah. <laughs> that's it i'm done that is me in a nutshell <laughs> it, i think it's probably the best way to sum you up as well actually um because like you said we we talk to each other quite a bit nowadays and never true words spoken on on how to describe who you are as a person i don't think yeah, and it's super funny because I started using that descriptor because of my my mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she one day was like, "I just can't keep up with you. You're all. It just seems like you're changing all the time." And I just texted her back and I was like, "Mom, I am the same person I have been since high school. Just to recap, I am a kinky, polyamorous, <laughs> pansexual slut." <laughs> Always have been, always will be. And she was like, oh, what am I going to do with you? <laughs> and I was like, nothing. You don't have to do anything with me, Mom. And and the thing that I love there is you also own the word slut for yourself as well. It's not a derogatory thing. It's not negative. It's not anything like that. It's people like to fuck. Get over it. I'm a slut. I love fucking. Big deal, right? Yeah, and... um the word slut is so interesting. It's one of my catchphrases, right? Like I, at the end of my show, I say slut must slut stay. Must yeah. And, you know, the slut in me bows to the slut in you. And being a slut is all about just like owning your sexuality. And you don't even have to have lots of sex to be a slut. Mm. Right. So to me, slut is a state of mind. It is somebody who is just proud of who they are, proud of their sexuality. It's someone who owns it and, you know, lives it out loud as best as they can. So for me, even when I'm not having a bunch of sex, I still identify as a slut because I still own my sexuality. Yeah, it's still a big part of who you are. Your sexuality is a huge part of who you are, right? Yeah, and even if it wasn't, right, even if I was like a a quieter slut, <laughs> someone who's not quite as out and about, about yeah. how, how slutty I am, you know, it's still just one of those things like I, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of my sexuality. I'm not ashamed of the sex that I have. I enjoy it very much. I enjoy sex. What a shock. And I enjoy the sex that I have. I know, and I even enjoy sex with myself. I'm really good at it. That that reminds me of a great saying um, that I've I've always kept to this day is um, don't knock masturbation. It's sex with somebody I love. Yeah, I 
I love fucking myself. <laughs> and, you know, I always think of sex like golf. Sometimes I like to play golf as a pair, just me and one other person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I want to play golf in a group. And other times I just want to go and play golf with myself. So, you know, it just depends on, like, what, what type of mood I'm in, what kind of sex I want to have. But it's all enjoyable. Although my orgasms that I give myself are usually some of the best orgasms I ever have. It's not necessarily the best sex I ever have, but they are some of the best orgasms I ever have. Not not to blow your own trumpet. Although I just I, know I guess what, what I doing. like, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, I yeah, blow my own trumpet. <laughs> but, you know, you know what feels good on yourself and you can, like, you know, do that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Whereas, sure. like, when you're fucking someone else, unless you're, like, move out the way and let me do it. You know, you kind of just go with the flow a little bit more. And and when I'm fucking myself, my head can be completely in my own pleasure. Yeah, sure. Versus when I'm having sex with other people. Yeah. It's like I'm just focused on mine because I'm such a pleaser. Mm-hmm. I love pleasing my partners. And that's what really I enjoy about sex. Yeah more than the orgasm is just the full body pleasure I get from pleasing my partner. So I'm usually focusing on them and what they want and need and things like that. And so it's super enjoyable in a different way. It's more of a full body feel good feeling. Whereas like when I fuck myself, it's a yummy, delicious orgasm. Yeah. And that's really all it is. It makes your foo-foo feel nice. <laughs> my, my lady bits, <laughs> as I like to call them. My lady bits. We, we, we have gone back to 1960. <laughs> yes. Well, okay, so I got, I got called out on Twitter one okay. time for calling it a vagina, which I know it's not a vagina. I know that the vagina is the thing from the inside. I yep. know that. It's my lady bits. I can call it whatever the fuck I want. And I was yeah, referring yeah. specifically to mine. And they're like, you mean your labia? And I was like, oh, get the fuck out of here. Hmm. I was like, it's mine. I'll call it whatever I want. So now I've just stopped using any of those words, the official terms for them, uh, or of any and just call, like, just call them your lady, lady bits. bits. Yeah. <laughs> my lady bits. Your naughty bits. <laughs> fuck off, Twitter. I, I, I wouldn't call them naughty. I'd call them lovely. Oh, but what's wrong with being naughty? Oh, don't start that. <laughs> I, I am naughtier, by the way. Emphasis on the naughty. <laughs> I, I I always giggle at that because I know you're not a brat in any way, shape, or, or form when it comes to uh, sexual connotations. I know that you like you like nope, you already I'm said. Very you like naughty. To, you like to please. Well, it depends on whose definition of naughty you're using, I guess. I am naughty if you're using the mainstream societal's view yeah, of how absolutely. a woman should act. Sure. I'm very, very, very naughty. <laughs> but when it comes to being a brat, I'm definitely not bratty at all. No, no, that's at not true. all. We've had that conversation a few times now. So that, yeah, that's yeah. So but for those, go ahead. For those listening, I I am very much a pleaser. 
I very much enjoy doing what I'm told and, and like being a brat when it comes to sex or just in personality stuff with, with game sex games or kink games or whatever. It's just so not my style. And even when I try to brat, I'm really bad at it. <laughs> I'm really bad at bratting because I'm like, oh, you're, you wouldn't hit me. Like, oh, you can't do that. <laughs> and I then I watch like actual brats and they're like kicking at people and like calling their dom like really nasty names and like <laughs> mouthing off. And I'm like, I would never dare do that. <laughs> like, how dare you? Um and so it's just so interesting, like my even my version of bratting is like I it's, move out of the way a little bit. Yeah. It's not it's not such a big thing really. Um but let's let's wind everything back here just for, for a little moment because you had an interesting journey to find yourself in a in a sexual kind of way. Like um you said we talk, you talked about a fair bit about yourself in your first episode of the Deviants podcast. I'm going to keep plugging this the whole way through, by the way, because I love it. Um, but you grew up in quite a conservative, evangelical Christian kind of family, right? Yeah, so I'm from the Midwest in the United States, and it was to a very conservative Christian family, and the, the type where... <sighs> Women are subservient to men, although everyone, all the women in my family, they all worked. But there was still like this expectation that the man is the head of the house. And um, in my grandparents' marriage, that's how it played out. Um, she did whatever he said mm-hmm. <laughs> and just backtalked him. She was a brat. My grandma's a brat. Um, <laughs> and then it was the, the type of church where gay, gay people are bad, interracial people marriages are bad um sex before marriage is really bad mm-hmm. like so uh ted cruz right he is very much of the religion that my family is is spawned from um yeah. rick santorum like those types of people right oh, lovely and so oh, right all wonderful folks and that's that was my upbringing really was just being made to feel ashamed really for who I was as a person, right? Like, you know, even in Christianity, just being a woman, right? They're like, well, you were the original sinner. You're bad. That's why you have your period because you were bad. Yeah. And that like shame of who you are as a person starts at a really, really, really young age. And then on top of that, it's like this fear of if you don't follow their rules, really bad things happen. If you don't follow their rules, you go to hell. If you don't follow their rules, God will smite you. You know, and so it's this fear-based, shame-based upbringing that worked on me for a long time until I was, I started questioning it mm-hmm. around eighth grade. What what and What age is eighth grade? Sorry. What's that? Is that about 14? I don't... 13? 13, yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. Because schooling systems um, all around the world are completely different. And who knows what age is what sometimes. That's true. I think I was like 13. Okay. Because um, you... Like, freshman year is like 14. So it's like 12, 13. 
yep. my freshman year. It was like 14, 15. So, um, yeah, so I started questioning it around that time. I started going to rock concerts and I got into goth and just started to kind of be like, oh, hmm. hmm. These is, people aren't as bad as. Yeah, it's like these people aren't as bad as I was made out as they were made out to be Mm. and I really then really what happened was I started developing this crush on this girl that I went to school with and I would lay in bed and I was having really naughty thoughts about her of course you were really naughty thoughts (laughs) and I was like I don't know what's wrong with me these are the same like these are thoughts I'm supposed to be having about boys but I'm not supposed to be having these thoughts about boys Mm. and you know and it just got me questioning like everything about myself and thank god for the internet (laughs) um because I was able to kind of explore that a bit more and explore sexuality and religion and realize that they were bat fucking crazy they were bat shit crazy (laughs) Yeah, so and they had no right to judge anybody because they were all hypocritical, oh, absolutely. crazy people. Yeah, absolutely. So in in this whole, you know, this evangelical Christian sort of thing, you started rebelling at around the sort of age of thirteen, as you were saying. And I, I feel as though it would be quite difficult to sort of find your sexual nature, your sexual being in that sort of situation. Was it? Did you find it difficult? Um, and obviously, were you wrestling with yourself a little bit? Um, while going through these feelings and whatnot? Well, so thank God for the internet. (laughs) And my mom has always been super tech forward. Mm -hmm. So she's always been latest in technology. We had a digital camera, one of those big fat ones that took a floppy disk. Mm -hmm. And we, which also meant that we had a computer in our house and that computer had internet. And so we oh. got internet around the time I was like seven. And this would have been dial up as well. And yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh, it was like, you got mail. And around the time I was like nine, I I stumbled upon. I love this story, by the And what was, your, <laughs> what was your first porn? <laughs> so I was, I was nine. So I did things that nine-year-olds should do i was searching for horses <laughs> yeah yeah horses adorable right. little horses yep little okay horses well, are little. back when okay. the internet horses are, horses are little um so i'm also gonna add in i was a latchkey kid which means that i would come home from school and i was by myself because my parents were both working yep and so i was on the internet at nine by myself Searching for horses. And what popped up was fucking horse porn. So there's these adorable little it, horses with just big dicks magically inside these poor innocent women. Well, that's how the internet used to work. It didn't have all these filters like it does now. <laughs> it just did pop up. And then it would like really, it would, then you'd click on one and then it would pop up and fill your screen because now you uh, had some fucked yeah. up virus and yeah. like all those little window things just come all over. Yeah, <laughs> and then it would right. come all over. So, so there's these horses and these innocent women being fucked by these horses and the women seem to be enjoying it and the horses seem to be enjoying it. And so here I was nine years old, fascinated by horse porn, knowing that it was, or feeling like this was wrong, 
because yeah. the church and my family was like, the sex is bad. It's evil. Don't do it. And I'm enjoying watching this. And then I was like, well, what else is out there? Okay, well, there's some weird ass shit out there. <laughs> <laughs> so I was exploring the world of pornography around nine years old. And it was some dark, dirty stuff. It wasn't just missionary porn. That that just was not available. It was weird, kinky, dungeon sex. Um and so that was kind of the first taste of sexuality that I had. And then I kind of took it a step further of actually role-playing out some of this stuff online. Because there used to be these things called chat rooms. So not, and not, you would join not a not chat room. Born. Not horse porn. Not horse porn. No, no. So then, um, yeah, I wasn't role-playing horse porn. I was, you know, kind of trying to explore my sexuality. So around the time I was like, yeah, 10, 11, 12, I would be in these chat rooms and when people would be like ASL, which is a sexual location, I'd be like 21 <laughs> female Florida. I'm not fucking from Florida. And I sure as shit wasn't 21, but then these guys would come and we'd start chatting and they were really naughty and I enjoyed it a lot. Of course. And that was sort of the journey into, you know, exploring my sexuality. And I had so much shame around all this the whole time. I knew what I was doing was wrong. Yeah. If God ever found out, I would definitely go to hell. Like I would pray every night to be like, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. And then of course, like I was doing it again. And then I really like came, it came to a head when one day I was just on this exercise machine. And it was one of those ones where you put your legs above your head and do these like reverse crunch things. Yeah. And after like the 13th one, my, I started to get really tingly all over my body <laughs> and my lady bits were all feeling yummy and warm. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, what was that? <laughs> and I was like, I want to do that again. <laughs> Let's do that again. And I realized that I could, like my mom had all these back massagers around the house. Now I know why I know the real reason why she had these. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> But I did find out that if I let them sit on my lap, it made my lady bits feel good. And so I would, when I'm home by myself, because my parents are at work, I would just masturbate for hours <laughs> because it felt so good. Yeah. And, and what, what and sort of age are you at this point? I was like 12. Yeah. I was so young. And feeling guilty about it and feeling awful. And then these feelings for this girl that I went to uh, school with all started to kind of come to a head. And I realized, like, I'm I'm different. Yeah. I don't, like, these things that they're telling me, I don't believe them. I don't feel these things. I don't feel this fear. I don't feel this whatever it is. Like, I'm enjoying this feeling that I'm having. And so that was definitely the time where I was like, all right, I'm going to figure out what all of this is. And I started reading about, you know, being gay and um, exploring sexuality and things like that. And um, when I was 14, I was just like, fuck you all. Like, fuck the church. <laughs> you guys are crazy. <laughs> and I woke up one Sunday morning and my grandma was like, all right, it's time to go to church. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to stay home. Thanks grandma. And she's like, what? You, 
you always go to church. I was like, yeah, not today. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going with you. And you haven't been back since. And I was, <laughs> I go back occasionally. I do actually. And I don't burn up when I walk through the door. Um, <laughs> because I go back because there are a lot of people that I knew from the church who did have a big impact in my life on my life in a positive way. Right. Right. Um, so I do go back to see them occasionally, but I haven't like, honestly, Oh Jesus, it's not awful. The last time I was at church was my cousin's funeral. It's been a minute. It's been like three years. (laughs) Um, but sometimes I go back when I go home, but not very often. Yeah. It's not, it's not a a must do thing. No, no. And especially now, like I'm divorced and I'm, I'm really bad. Like <laughs> I can't even fake it anymore that I'm not a terrible human to them. Right? Like they look at me and would consider me super yeah. awful. I was, was going to say to them perhaps, but I certainly don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so to them, I'm like the antithesis of all that is good and wonderful in the world. And I look at them and I think they're the antithesis of all that is good and wonderful in the world. <laughs> so we just have this like adversarial viewpoint of each other and it's you know yeah it is tough going back and it's just tough going back home in general yeah for sure so family's nuts (laughs) this is why i don't really have a family because i don't have to deal with all the drama from it (laughs) so um the no it's yeah go ahead chosen family is so much better chosen family is so much better yeah so much better but um like you you said you were talking um you were going into these role play sorts of things, what? And you said it was naughty. Let's launch into that a little bit more. Um, what do you mean by it was naughty? What sort of things were you doing in these chat rooms? What were your role plays? I oh. guess. Oh my goodness! Anybody that was in internet chat rooms in the nineties knows exactly how these role plays. I know exactly went, how they in went. the early two thousands. Yeah. So it's like, oh, have you been a naughty girl today? I'm like, oh, yes, I've been such a naughty girl. <laughs> How naughty have you been? I've been so naughty. And, you know, just these grown, who I'm assuming are grown men. I don't know. They could have been 12-year-old boys. I don't know. But they sure talked like grown men. Would say all these things of like, do you want to stroke my cock? Do you want to put it in your mouth? And I was like, that sounds gross. But, yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> And and this is wrong. Like I'm going to just fully and openly admit this was wrong. I was in the wrong. I should not have been on the internet posing as a grown woman when I was 12. This was yeah. super bad. Looking at porn, really awful porn. Uh, it, the young age I did probably shouldn't do that. Um, so I'm not condoning any of my past behavior. But it is a part of my past. I have owned it. And I recognize how it has shaped my life up until now. And it will continue to shape my life until now. And and how that shaping has gone is I, from a young age, realized that I am a very sexual person. Mm-hmm. I don't have too much emotional connection to sex. Yep. And... I don't care what other people think about the weird shit that I like doing. Yeah. Those are the three of the biggest things that I realized and that all helped me realize. Um, 
as now a grown up who can <laughs> legally consent to all of these things that I now do. Um, but yeah, these <laughs> chat rooms were just your typical chat room for horny people yeah, at but- two o'clock in the morning or. One o'clock in the afternoon. I I went on them myself a lot, so I know exactly what you're talking about. It's it's. We might have been chatting to each other, pretending to be grown-ups. I was thinking about that. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that because I think I got the internet at about twelve thirteen, which you would have been a little bit older because you're you're what yeah thirty now, right? I am thirty. Yeah, so I'm. 28 so it's it's definitely possible that 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 happened but all all of this well so i was not chatting in these rooms when i was 16 because i was out doing these yeah you were out doing it so it's it's still definitely possible i think i still think it's potentially possible (laughs) i I might have my years wrong who knows right it's it's the internet world (laughs) nobody knew anybody really who they were back then that's for sure but, but wouldn't it have been funny if, like, your 12-year-old self was trying to teach my 12-year-old self about, like, you were the one, like, it was just a bunch of 12-year-olds, like, do you want to stroke my dick? Yeah, I want to stroke your dick with my mouth. Like, And it just turns out we were all just a bunch of, like, young kids, like, trying to act like grown-ups from this porn that we, like, had stumbled upon searching for <laughs> shoes and horses and tricycles like (laughs) and it's just a bunch of fucking 12 year olds i'm glad i didn't (laughs) could you imagine (laughs) the porn is not the same now porn is so tame unless you go underground yeah which i I feel as though we both do i don't actually watch that much porn anymore and i only that's true my life is a porn I just don't film it, which is uh, definitely t- going to be the name of yeah, the book. Yeah, title of your autobiography. <laughs> um, and I only uh, watch ethical porn, like yeah. porn that the actors are getting paid for. Yeah. Um, but I don't actually watch a whole lot of it because my imagination is very creative. And it's based off a lot of the stuff that I do. Like, my life is very much pornographic, so yeah. I don't watch a whole lot of it. Uh, certainly enough. don't search very hard to see it. Yeah. But so so from this sort of early age of seeing all of this dirty, raunchy, kinky porn and whatnot, it's obviously it's led you into quite a kinky life, which is basically why we talk so much, I think. Um so what are some of your kinks and so how did you get into them? Yeah, so my my biggest kink, my, my kink of kinks is power play. Mm-hmm. I love power exchange. Um, I am mostly a submissive. I end up on the bottom of power exchange, um, of power exchanges. Yep. So just, sorry, 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 to interrupt. sorry to interrupt. Do you want to just yeah. explain what power exchange is for some people who might not know? Yes, absolutely. So power exchange is, or authority exchange, is when one person gives over power over themselves to another person. So um, I could tell you, I could be like, hey, Simon, I'm giving you all the power over me. You can do whatever you want to me. (laughs) You can beat me. You can whatever. I'll do whatever you say. That's sort of a basic 
uh, <laughs> a basic understanding of it. And then it plays out in different ways. So I'm really into 1950s um, domination style, which also is like domestic discipline type play. And which that is where there's a clear head of household and then for me, the housewife. And I do the cooking and the cleaning and all the domestic duties. And I also please the head of household sexually. And I really am into that a lot. <laughs> um, like my one of my ultimate like play sessions it's like, I just want to come over to your house and I want to cook. I want to clean your house and then I want to cook for you. And then I want to watch an episode of I Love Lucy. And then I want you to like, fuck me senseless. <laughs> Which, yeah, that that's, yeah, that's hot. <laughs> um, and if at some point you put me over your knee, that's even better. Of course. Of course. And sort of, how did you find your, what was the journey into realizing that this was a thing for you? Okay, so I'm a feminist, and I saw this blog post, oh my gosh, years and years and years ago, about these feminists who were outraged at this thing that Christians were doing, and I was like, oh, we're outraged at Christians? I'm in. And I started <laughs> reading this article, and it was about Christian domestic discipline, and it was about these husbands who took it from the Bible that they could discipline their wives, and mm -hmm. they controlled their wives' lives, and we're very much the strong head of household, as it says, to be in the Bible. Yep. And I, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, like, I'm really supposed to be outraged, but I'm really turned on <laughs> by the idea of this. That's and I am, like, soaking wet by the end of this blog post. And I'm like, okay, I'm definitely not outraged. Um, and I want this to happen. So I actually went to my partner at the time and was like, because I realized you could do it without the Christian part. You could just do domestic discipline. Like, that was oh, a thing. absolutely, yeah. And so I went to my partner, and I was like, hey, I'm this, I think this is something I really am into. Can we, like, try this? Mm -hmm. And we, you know, tried it for a while, and it was, like, fun. But it didn't quite scratch that itch because I wanted it full time. I wanted yeah. to just live this lifestyle. And it was just kind of like play. And so I kind of let it go for a little bit and just, like, did more of, you know, we'd kind of do the scenes or whatever mm -hmm. and not like full time because it's, it's challenging to be in power dynamics because I have a very dominant personality. Mm -hmm. I'm a very dominant type A person. And so for somebody to dominate me, they have to be a super dominant personality. So I, it has to be somebody that out dominates me. Right. And it's really hard to find. <laughs> so, you know, I just kind of went about the kinky life until um years later I was like all right I really like this is I'm about this I my partner and I had opened up our marriage and this was my opportunity to have some play partners who were also kinky and weird <laughs> and so I started kind of dating this guy who definitely was into like um DS, like dominant submissive play. And we would do some kink play and I'd get on my knees. Yes, sir. You know, all that stuff. And it was fine. And I'd cook for him and I'd clean for him <laughs> and like do that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I'm a very good girlfriend to have. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, man, I am every, 
I am a lot of men's dream and women's dream come true. Um, so then I found another play partner who was also super into the 1950s element of it. And I would dress up and we'd, I'd go over and I'd cook and I'd clean and he'd beat on me and we'd have sex and it was amazing. And then I found a master with the sole intention, the sole intention of having like a domestic servitude relationship. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm really into this thing. Like, and I had envisioned it being a 1950s, you know, kind of relationship, but it, it's ended up morphing into a full-time lifestyle MS dynamic because I did find somebody who is even more dominant than I am, uh-huh. but in this nice, subtle, quiet way. So that was kind of my journey from reading this blog post years ago to the life that I lead today as a slave. Yeah, to a 24 dynamic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy that it's come from a blog post that was meant for the complete opposite. Um, okay, so opposite intention. And, and, you know, <laughs> and I was like, no, this sounds like a perfect life. Like, yeah, let's let's do this. <laughs> okay. What else? What What else are you into? I'm really and so when it comes to kink stuff, I'm really into impact play so flogging spanking paddling uh whips things that thud (laughs) things that crack on my body i like impact play i really like um needles Mm -hmm. a lot um because i like blood play um and i like i also with impact i like it to bring blood about (laughs) um i'm really into some more of the sensual stuff. I like fire play a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a very intimate kink. I, uh, my fetish. So those are my kinks, like things I like. To, I like to do. Yeah. But I do have a fetish, mm-hmm. actual legitimate fetish. I have a leather fetish. So I wear a lot of leather, and not just because I think it look makes me feel like a rock star. I really like. Like, I have a leather fetish, so I like the smell of it, the taste of it, the feel of it, the sound of it, like, everything about leather just absolutely, uh, it makes me very happy (laughs) to be in the presence of leather. I enjoy, um, to go to the, part of the extreme of this, like, boot licking, Mm -hmm. like, leather, licking leather boots, um, which also comes from that power exchange dynamic, right, you're literally on your knees licking someone's boots there's not really a lot more you could do to be in a more submissive position than that so it mixes a lot of my (laughs) weird kinks together um and so i do have a leather fetish that's my only fetish yeah so i I, really want to be into latex but i just can't get it together (laughs) so there's there's going to be a lot of people that might be confused at this point because they think that kinks and fetish is the same thing um, so what's the difference for you? So for me, a kink is kind of the, the stuff that you like to do. So it is, you know, impact play, it's the needle play, it's fire play, wax play. It's kind of those specific things that you like to do. It's something that you enjoy doing. Yeah. Whereas a fetish is something that it is 
a part of it's for me it is a part of who I am like I mm-hmm. just the leather itself in it invokes feelings of sex like sexual feelings in me like I can get off at the smell taste touch of leather I I don't necessarily need it to have an orgasm right I can have orgasms and not have leather um so I don't know if it's necessarily a true fetish if I can get off without it but um it is something that is like deeply ingrained in my pleasure yeah for sure it's kind of that's a very not so eloquent way of describing the difference. But I think you have a really good definition of the two. I think you say it better than I do. Yeah, so my definition is that a kink is something that you enjoy doing and that you you know um and a fetish is something that is part of you or that you need. Um as opposed to want or enjoy. It's something that's you need to be as as part of your play or something like that, but that yeah, that's the way that I put so it. I think, yeah, so I think actually, like from your definition, my my second fetish is power exchange. Like yeah. I, I actually I do need that. Yeah, I absolutely. cannot get off without a form of power exchange in um in activity. Like even when I'm masturbating, right? Even when it's just myself, like. I'm still in a submissive headspace. Yeah. I I put myself there um, because I can't get off without it. Yeah. <laughs> and that I think would is probably a true fetish. Like I yeah. I, I need it. Oh, I, I would it probably say that for you. Me. I would definitely say that for you. Um, yeah. But there's one more kink that we haven't spoken about yet that I'm going to put a little trigger warning in here because it can be a wee bit triggering at times. But you do have one more, don't you? I do. I'm really into consensual non-consent yeah. play, so rape play. I I love being forced to do things that I don't want to do, but I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so my ultimate fantasy in terms of this is I want to be kidnapped, I want to and held for days and tortured and raped, and then just kicked out the door and like just a hot mess. <laughs> Um, that is like the ultimate fantasy that I have and I've never gotten to do it you're about to do it did you say no I've never gotten to do it you've never gotten to do it so this is something of a fantasy for yourself as well yeah I've kind of played up to to it because you know when you have such an extreme fantasy there is that thought of like is this something I really want to do or is this something that just gets me off like in my brain Mm -hmm. and so I've kind of worked myself up to to some more extreme scenes where um I it is consensual because I'm really into primal play Mm -hmm. right where someone where you're in your kind of primal space and um my I don't I don't really have an animal. I just go into my goddess. Yeah. And the other person is usually some animal type wolf, fox, some sort cheetah, of hunter. whatever. Yeah, and they kind of attack me and I like fight back and I'm like, No, you're not gonna take me and then they ultimately take me. And so <laughs> that is re- that's a form of consensual non consent because I'm consenting to them 
you know, attacking me and fucking me and all that, that stuff. And I'm fighting back and I'm yelling, no, stop, no. Um, and so I really, really, really enjoy that sort of play. Um, I love fighting back in sex. I love choking Mm -hmm. and where I'm like fighting it, you know, and, um, I just really like extremely rough, violent sex. I never would have thought, um, <laughs> right. Um, and so, like that baseline of stuff, I'm like, no, I really want to be kidnapped, held, tortured, and raped repeatedly for days on end. It's just hard to pull off. It is. It's hard to pull off. It's hard to find people. It's hard. You have to have somebody else orchestrate this, right? Yeah. And then find people who are willing to put themselves in a potentially risky situation, mm-hmm. and. I do want it to be for days, right? I don't want it to just be like, you know, an hour or whatever. Like for me, it has to be kind of like an extended torture fest mm-hmm. or it doesn't quite do it for me. Yeah, it wouldn't live up to, so the, hard. to the complete fantasy that you have, right? Right. The fantasy that did come from porn. I can't, <laughs> I can't, uh, I can't lie. It definitely was something I saw in porn and it just sparked my imagination. I was like, "Oh my gosh! Wow! I mean, I'm, I'm certain this it sparks something else as well." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Well, then I could just do this for days on end, and it would be amazing." And then there's this book called *Pervert* by Nancy Ava Miller, mm-hmm. and she has a rape fantasy that she writes about, and it is almost verbatim my fantasy. So, and... so you've definitely um, masturbated to that, I bet. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's like it's basically just masturbating to my own fantasy. Like it is almost verbatim how I would want this played out. From she gets kidnapped and thrown into a van, taken to a faraway location, held for days. They do really awful things to her pussy. They there's catheter play, which is super weird. And I thought I was the only one that like would want that, and apparently not because she did too. Yeah. And just at the end, they're like, "Well, you can go back to your life, or you can stay here with us." And I'm like, "God, that's how mine ends." <laughs> and they just throw her back in the van and drop her off where they found her. Amazing. And I'm like, "Jesus Christ, this woman is like in my brain." And so that's one of the reasons. Because reading this book, I was like, okay, well, I'm clearly not that weird if somebody else has this fantasy and has written about it in this very specific way. And that's why one of the reasons I do my podcast is to tell people, like, you're not – and I do – you know why I do shows like this and talk openly about my my kinks and fetishes because I hope that other people hear me talk and say, you know what? I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. Like, there's this – at least this one other person (laughs) out there who's – you know, a freak like me. And so that's, you know, one of the things that I, I have as a mission in my life is to help other people recognize you're not alone and it's okay to be comfortable in your kinks. Yeah, for sure. And, and like you said, you're in an MS dynamic at the moment, right? Mm hmm. So master slave dynamic. Yes, I am. Um, can we go a little bit more in depth into that, into sort of the workings of that relationship and how you got into it and what it sort of looks like, for lack of a better term? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. 
Ask me all the questions. <laughs> all the questions. Well, so the, the 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 first one obviously is how did how did you come into this relationship with with super by accident. Okay. Crazy coincidence. I met. I was in California mm-hmm. for a business conference. And I overheard this woman talking about a city in the Southwest. And I was like, oh, my God, i that's where I live. And she was like, no way. And it turns out we were both polyamorous and we were both kinky and we were both total weirdos. And she was doing a presentation this the Sunday that we got back from the conference yeah. in our hometown or in the town that we were currently living. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yes, we're now going to be you know, besties and I will absolutely be at this event. And so I was, I moved heaven and earth to be able to go to this event and I show up and after I chatted with her for a while, I looked around the crowd and I was like, I really don't know if this is my cup of tea. Like, I really don't know if these are my people. It was a kink event. Mm -hmm. It was a kink event. It was a munch. And I was like, I don't know if like, (laughs) if I want to be here. And because I'd never done anything in the kink community here, I've just always been kinky you know, by my behind in, closed in doors, right? It's never world, been like yep. a community thing, yeah. And so I'm I'm actually upstairs trying in this place. I'd kind of snuck away from all the people, and I'm trying to find a booty call. Jeez. And I'm like, all right, I'm I don't want to be here. Like I'm gonna watch this presentation and then I'm gonna leave and I wanna have like a booty call lined up, but nobody was available. One person had food poisoning and one person was working and I was like, God damn it. So I go I look out the window and I see this guy and I was like, Oh hey <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I will stick around to say hello to to him. And so I went back downstairs, started talking to my friend, and all of a sudden, the energy in the room shifts. Right. And I was like, okay, well, who is, what is that dark brooding presence that just walked in the door that played really well with my dark brooding presence? And I turn around, and there was the guy that I had seen out the window. And I was like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, he's super hot. <laughs> like, holy crap. Okay, whew. compose yourself, Nadia, get it together. And I was in my leather pants, my lace like onesie, my leather jacket, my hair is looking good. I was like, shit, I'm looking fine as fuck. Like I've got an I've got a chance <laughs> with let, this yeah, person. Let, let, let's so do he this. walks over. Mm. Yeah, so he like walks over across the room directly to me and my friend. And I was like, All right, here we go. Game on. And he starts talking to my friend and then she introduces him to me, and I was like, I actually n- know your name. Like, I know of you. Mm. And we kind of shared the story, and he was really distant, and I was very sad. And I later realized this because I had on a choker, and he thought that the choker was a collar. Right. And so he okay. didn't want to Didn't want to overstep any boundaries or anything like that. But he property. Yeah. And so as we started talking, it, was, it became clear I wasn't anyone's property and he could, like, you know, approach. And so we started talking and, and chatting and 
then he, you know, the munch started and my friend was doing her presentation and, and he sat behind me and this whole time I am like trying to pay attention to this presentation, but I feel this energy that he is just like sending my way. And I'm like, okay, I'll send some back. So we're just like energetically like playing with each other this yeah. entire 45 minute presentation. I was like, all right, like I have to like, I mean, this is going to go somewhere. Right. <laughs> and so afterward he's like, well, you can find me on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. So I, I hit him up on Facebook and we ended up like, chatting for hours the next mm -hmm. day and then texting and um he made a joke he's he was like oh are you petitioning for for temporary servitude and i was like no, no temporary. Uh, i mean i wasn't i, I mean I, I wasn't but is that is that on the table like is that a possibility because i just was gonna fuck you like if there is a possibility of any type of servitude Yes. Uh, so I was like, yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. What does what that look like? And one thing led to another, which led to another. Um, and we did the whole formal process of coffee and petitions and all kinds of things. And it led into a full-time master-slave dynamic. So here we are. That's how we met. <laughs> And and what does that look like now? So there's there's obviously going to be things like rules in place and and certain things that you need to achieve in in a day and things like that. What does that look like at the moment for you? So we have a very different, I think, dynamic than what most people think of when they think of master slave. So there's the old leather version of master slave, right, where slave is an it. It is simply master's property to do with as they please, yep. and it doesn't sit on furniture. It doesn't address other people. Like, it is an it. That's not how we play. That's not how we roll. Um, so we do what's called authority exchange. So he has authority over me, but not necessarily control. Okay. So there are certain elements of my life that he controls, like who I date, when I orgasm, when we're together, when I go to the bathroom, like things like that, like there's bits and pieces of control. Mm -hmm. But the bigger picture for us is he has authority over me. And my goal, my, as his property, because mm -hmm. we still hold that piece of it, right? I'm still his property. Yeah. As his property, my purpose in life is to align with his will. So everything I do is in alignment with his ultimate vision of yep. his life and our dynamic together. Um, so that's kind of the overview of how it works on the day to day. There's protocol, right? Mm -hmm. There's which protocol is the things you do in the dynamic. Um, so it's like a very simple one is every day that I wake up, I text him. Good morning, master. Yep. Just to like start my day in that way. So that's a, a protocol, right? Um, and then there's, yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Like describing the dynamic is so interesting because it's just my life. So yeah. I'm like, so if you ask me like, can you just describe your life? I'm like, yes. What would you like to know? <laughs> I can go on and on and on. So it is my life. It is 24 seven. It never turns off, which means yeah. that I am always his, I'm always with his will there's never a moment in which I'm not in 
service submission and surrender to him. Yep. Except for when we negotiate contracts. And then at that moment in time, I kind of step into uh, a different Nadia. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Then we negotiate with my very dominant personality really comes out to play. And he's like, I fucking hate that side of you. <laughs> and I'm like, that side of me doesn't particularly like you either. So, like, you know, we don't, in our eyes come out to play with each other it's usually like no holds barred <laughs> debate sure. on but otherwise I'm in full service submission and surrender to him at all times in every moment even when we're not, when we're not together yeah okay yeah, that makes a lot of sense and the the interesting thing that I, that I have interesting bit that I cut, that I get out of this is that I know that you're polyamorous as well so how does that work into having a master? Obviously, he has a say on who you date and things like that, right? Yes. And and what you can do with said yes, people or something like that. It's not like you can have just a one-night stand with somebody that you found. You need to get full permission and whatnot from him, right? There's a process around that, a protocol around that? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I could have a one-night stand. Um, I actually prefer those. <laughs> To like relationships with other people, um, that whole emotional connection thing, I'm not really down for that. I really like the wham bam thank you ma'am sex. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yes. So how it works for us if I want to date or fuck someone else is I make a formal request. So here's so for those of you that are curious and want to know really how this plays out in real life, not just in porn. This is mm-hmm. our real life. So how it goes is uh, either through text or a phone call, sir, I have a formal request. May I please make it? Then he responds. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Mm -hmm. And um, so if the answer is yes, I make the request and it goes like this. Sir, I have found someone that I like for X, Y, Z reasons. I would like to request a play date for X date. We plan on doing... XYZ activity, may I have permission to go on this play date? Mm-hmm. And then he says yes or no. Yep. And then I have permission to do the play date or go on the date or something like that. Um, that's how it goes. And obviously there's, um, there's safety involved with all of this as well, right? Yes, I actually really like this process um, and and – getting permission and all those things because yeah there so if you think about it from the ms dynamic right i am his property and the number one rule is protect master's property yeah and so there's there are things that can happen in as a woman dating um especially a woman dating men right that's we can't pretend that there's not safety issues just at that face level right but then there's also i only have i only kink date Right, right, so I'm actually dating somebody. It's in a weird, kinky way. Like right now, I'm talking to somebody that we're considering a daddy, dom, little girl kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a kink dynamic. Um, all the sex I have is kinky. Like I don't ever just have vanilla sex. And so there is that element of kinky sex can be dangerous. Yeah. Right. There are risks involved with a lot of the stuff we do. And so from his perspective, he is protecting his property from the risks 
that are presented by other people playing with his property. Mm. Um, so that's kind of why this is a, a protocol in place. And I like it because I always have somebody that knows where I am. Mm-hmm. And if I don't check in, you know, at the right time, like I know that somebody's going to come beating down the door to find me. Yeah. Right? They know exactly where I am, what I'm doing, who I'm with at all times. Um, so I like that element. And the other aspect of this is anybody that I date or do have sex with has to be okay knowing that there is another person to whom I that you answer to submit, right? Yeah, yeah. that I answer to. So if we're in the middle of a play session and they want to throw something in that wasn't previously negotiated, the answer is no, right? Absolutely, like I can't yeah. just add in, you know, these things. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I didn't ask for permission for that. Like, and if I, you know, if I come back with, let's say I didn't say anything about a belt, right. And I come back with belt welts, like I'm going to be in trouble yeah. because I did not ask for permission to do that. Right. So it has to be somebody like anybody I play with has to, be okay knowing that there's somebody else who can and does tell me what to do. Um, you know, things like that. So like, for example, the DDLG relationship, the the other person, the daddy cannot give me a bedtime because Mm -hmm. that could interfere with duties and roles that I do with master. Yeah. And so like, just kind of things like that. So, you know, the, the daddy has to be okay. (laughs) With the you fact know, that like, you already okay, well, have things in place. Yeah, or, you know, anybody I play with. So it does get kind of complicated, um, but it is nice because, it, you know, we have, even though I am polyamorous, there's already a very structured dynamic in place. Yeah. So fitting other people into that is very clean. Yeah. And it's like, well, I could have a slave and here's what that would look like, or I can have a daddy and here's what this looks like. And it all just kind of fits. And it's not necessarily hierarchical, because right? I am a relationship anarchist. So there's not yeah. necessarily a hierarchy, although there is a hierarchy. Like I fully recognize, like I'm in a master slave dynamic that by default has a hierarchy, but it doesn't mean that I can't, you know, appreciate another relationship just as much as I do this one yeah kind of thing but i like that all the pieces fit nicely yeah. and, I, and i was going to go into this because relationship hierarchy is oh, not relationship relationship anarchy sorry is kind of a form of polyamory but it's not at the same time right it's 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 sort of side by side with polyamory so it's easier to say that you're polyamorous when you're practicing relationship anarchy i feel um but how about we? How about you tell us a wee bit about what the differences are for you? Because you've sort of got half a foot in one camp and one and a half feet in the anarchy side, right? Yeah. So, um, so as a relationship anarchist, I I am polyamorous in this, right? I can date multiple people. Yeah. So there's kind of that element of polyamory. Um, but relationship anarchy, I believe that all of my relationships should be structured based on what the people in that relationship want and desire. Mm-hmm. And which is really cool because you can shape your relationships to look however you want, right? Contrasting that to monogamy, traditional monogamy, where most people get on the, the relationship escalator and they're like, all right, we're going to date. 
okay, we've been dating for a while. Let's get engaged. All right, we're engaged. And then you get married and then you have a kid. And, you know, you have this like predetermined template <laughs> that you follow. And that's just sort of how relationships go. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, and then if you have like a fuck buddy or whatever, that's less than somebody you'd want to eventually marry, right? That's yeah. seen as, that's oh, just a thing, right? And then also the other thing, with relationship anarchy that's very different is I believe that all of my relationships are valuable and worthy of celebrating, even if they end, Mm -hmm. right? So even if they, we don't make it to the grave together, I'm so grateful for those relationships and I have the lessons and I can look back and enjoy the good times we had instead of thinking of it as a failed relationship. Yeah, for sure. And so in monogamy, oftentimes it's like, you know, oh, you broke up. It was a failed relationship. And you forget about all the awesome stuff that you did together. Like I've, I was with somebody for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't not look at that with love and admiration and respect for that person because we did so much together. We grew together. Like I have so much love for this person still. Yeah. And even though the relationship ended, right. So it's over. I still look back at it so fondly and I'm so grateful for it. And that's very different, you know, than how monogamy tends (laughs) to work out, you know? And it's funny because now as we're going through the divorce process, people are like, Oh, I'm so sorry. How are you doing? It must be awful. And I'm like, I mean, I'm fine. It, it does it does suck and we have kind of our ups and down days I'm, I am losing my best friend and somebody that I love very much but for the most part like we had some great times right pretty good like I really am so grateful for it like I still love him and it's still amazing so I think that's a big part of relationship anarchy too is like each relationship is its own individual thing and so you can have multiple relationships and the, the biggest part is all of your relationships are equal your friendships your romantic relationships, hmm. they they can hold equal weight. Yeah, so whoever, right, so whoever like, needs you most I, is where you go, right? That, yeah, that's one. Um, so I talked with Eleanor G, which yeah. I know she was on your show, and that's definitely one of – that's true for her. Like all of her relationships hold equal weight. For me, that's not necessarily true, partly because I do have an MS dynamic. So yeah. like – if you and I were out on a date and master needed me, like, I'm sorry, like he does, yeah, <laughs> he takes precedence. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's, I mean, for me, there is still that like little bit of hierarchy in things, but my friendships are super important to me and they are fulfilling in different ways than romantic relationships, but in just as important ways. And that has been a radical transformation for me to realize like my friendships are so important and I make time for my friends and I stay connected with them and, and they're platonic friendships. And sometimes we have sex or sometimes we cuddle and it's still like a friendship. Um, but the very nature of friendships has, has changed a lot since, kind of developing this relationship anarchy yeah, mindset. Sure. Absolutely. I can I can definitely understand that. And so if we, if we take it back a few steps here, um, how did you fight, sort of realize that you're poly and how did you get into it and that sort of stuff? Because it's not been... 
It's something that you've felt for a long time, but not really gotten into until relatively recently. Am I right? Yeah, and mostly because I just didn't have the words for it. I didn't know it was an option. Yeah. Um, you know, I started having sex when I was 16, almost 17. And from there, like the slut just, that is very important. I want to just throw that in there. Almost Because people think I must have been super young. <laughs> and I actually was on the older side of having sex. Um, almost 17. I was like a month and a half away. So I was really almost 17. Um, and then after that, I really, and like I had sex for the first time with somebody that I didn't really even like all that much because I didn't want to have weird age yeah and then after that I just like I had a lot of sex <laughs> for a long time until I started dating like legit dating somebody and it's like well we we had a an orgy together at one point in our relationship but for the most part we were monogamous and I've always been kinky, so I was trying to get them to do these kinky things with me, and yeah. they just kind of thought I was crazy. Like, I'm really into anima play. Yeah. So it's not really something I talk about all that much. Um, not because I'm ashamed of it, but it just doesn't really come up. I don't ever get a chance to talk about it, so I'm going to talk about it. I'm really into anima play, so I tried to get them to, like, do anima play with me, and they were like, that's nasty. And I was like, no, it's awesome. And they're like, yeah, okay, no. And they tried it one time, and they are like, this is so gross. I was like, fine, whatever. So I wasn't really able to, like, explore a lot of my kinky side. And then I, from that relationship, I started into my 10-year relationship. And it kind of was the same thing. I was like, hey, I'm I'm really kinky in a lot of these ways. Can we do these things? And they were like, I mean, we can try. But it wasn't really their jam either. Mm -hmm. And so... Nine years into that relationship, we decided to open in our open our relationship thinking we would just be swingers and fuck other couples. Well, that just did not work. Right. Um, because swinging is actually really hard. Yeah. Um, when you have two very different, like my that partner and I are very different. And to find other people that we could connect with as other couples was really hard. And then there's yeah. all this jealousy and drama and just did not work out very well so we ended up dating people separately so then we kind of fell into polyamory and then realizing like i could have an emotional connection we could have emotional connections with other people Mm -hmm. um and then i mean that relationship ended up ending but that's kind of how i recognize like okay i'm definitely not monogamous i'm not a monogamous natured person and it was finding polyamory and then relationship anarchy i was like where i was like all right this is who I am, and now I have the words to describe it, and I never want to go back. Like, if somebody – like, if I found the, the quote-unquote love of my life, and they're like, and we are going to be monogamous, I'd be like, nope, you are clearly not the love of my life because this is not going to work um, at all to be to be monogamous. So that's kind of how I stumbled into it. I've always been slutty and wanting to be with multiple people. I just didn't know that polyamory was a thing. Right, growing yeah. up in a Christian church or a Christian family, they sure, they shoved monogamy down my throat. So it's not like they were like, "Oh, and by the way, you could be non-monogamous. This is a lifestyle choice." And anytime non-monogamy was talked about, it's polygamy, and it was like, "And those people are bad." Mm-hmm. And so, had I have known that this was an option, could have turned out a wee bit different. 
But I'm glad I didn't. I like where I am now. Yeah, yeah. All, all of these things that happened make you into the wonderful human being that you are now. So I'm happy about that as well. Um, I want to take it right back again now, um, just to sort of finish this off. We've been talking for a fair while. So like, like you just touched on, the environment that you grew up in was, again, very conservative, very religious, had very strict Christian values on it. The the interesting part about this is that you actually had kind of a decent sexual education, right? I would not say decent. Okay. I would say it was sort of there. Yeah, compared to what most people would think of when they think of somebody who is that entrenched into a Christian religion. Okay, that's true, yes. Um... So, I mean, they, there was, like, the traditional sex ed at school where it's, like, this is a sperm and this is an egg and this is how it gets into the woman's body and this is how babies are made. Um, so I had that kind of sex education. Mm. And then I, my mom gave me the My Body and Me book or something. It's called something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, she slipped it under the door. She didn't even, like, hand it to me. She just, like, <laughs> slipped it under my door. And I was like... Thanks, mom. Um, <laughs> she knew something was up. She knew something one. was up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think I had started my period. Right. Okay. I think that was the trigger for that. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, I got it. She should know what's happening to her body. And I, so I read the book. So, and I read it front to back multiple times because mm-hmm. I was just fascinated by what was going on with sure. my body and all these things. And, so I had like that anatomical um, understanding. But when it came to the learning about sex as a human driving need and desire, mm-hmm. that was some fucked up shit. So <laughs> in one of my sex ed classes, the teacher brought all of the senior virgins. Virgins. They were not virgins. They were <laughs> definitely not but whatever we'll pretend and it was like these the cool kid couple right couples it was like six people so four three couples yeah who all had roses and they all stood at the front of the class and they were like your body is beautiful and sex is your most sacred uh your most sacred thing that you have don't just give it away to anyone because when you do you lose a piece of yourself and then they'd like pull off a rose petal until and they were like every time you have sex this is what happens when you give it away to somebody and you become this rose is no longer pretty so you should wait until you're married and give in to that one true person <laughs> and, and, then, and then you can be like, ugly. <laughs> yeah I, yeah like it's well no if you're just giving it to the same person you're not giving it away multiple times you're just giving it away once uh, okay right see don't you know that that's how that works Oh yeah, most definitely. Because they they can cherish it and value it, is what they you know. Right. And I so that was like the moral <laughs> side of like sex education where I'm from. And then of course you know the pastor on preaching on Sunday, sex before marriage is bad. Don't do it. And those lustful thoughts that you have, cast them out of your brain and don't look at porn and like all this stuff and. So there was so much shame yeah. around sex and so much shame around enjoying sex and enjoying pleasure and so much just guilt 
-hmm. around it if you do want it and enjoy it. And then to add on to that, I was gay as fuck. Like I am, I am a pansexual and I have been attracted to people of all gender expressions Mm -hmm. since I can remember. Like I, my, I I love gender non-binary people. So my first girlfriend, um, if the term gender non-binary was a thing or if they, you know, went by, if gender neutral pronouns were a thing back then, they probably would have used them because when you looked at them, you could quite tell if they were a boy or a girl. Like that androgynous look is like my thing. And so, and that has always kind of been, so, you know, to add that into things where like, I'm definitely not straight and you know, being gay was like the ultimate worst thing that you could be. And, you know, I just was like, all this shame and guilt was a big part of my upbringing when it came, when it came to sex. Um, so shaking that has continues. It was a big part of my life. And mm-hmm. that is another reason why I'm so out about this stuff. Cause I want people to know that you don't have to have shame around it. No, you no. don't have to feel guilty about all this weird shit that you want to do to another person. Cause that's one of the things I hear a lot when I talk to people, cause I'm, I love hearing about people's kinks. Mm-hmm. I just love it so much. And yeah. one of the things that I hear all the time, especially from men is they're like, you know, I, I really want to like fuck the shit out of women and like beat them and like torture them. And I don't know why, because I love women and I'm a feminist and like, I don't hate women. Like, but why do I just want to do all these terrible things to them? I'm like, <laughs> because you're nor like, it's fine. You're normal. Like there's nothing wrong with you. I want you to do those things to me. So if you're broken, I'm broken and we can be broken together, but we're not broken. And it's an interesting thing that the shame and this guilt does to our brains. And, you know, to be honest, like I can tell you why I have all the kinks that I have. I can go back and be like, psychologically (laughs) coming from an abusive family. Right. Cause I, I don't, I didn't add that part in. My family was not only fundamentally Christian, my, my father was extremely abusive. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm really into like power dynamics because, you know, I had an abusive dad and I, fight that you know through power play because it is play it then becomes play and those sorts of things instead of a deeply traumatic experience all right we can go back and undo all of our (laughs) kinky weirdness or and we can spend lots of time doing that or you could just enjoy the weird stuff that we like to do to ourselves and other people yeah consensually of course of course consensually and why not have fun right find ways to have fun who cares what the deep-seated whatever it is behind it, the deep set of psychological sort of process is. Just enjoy what you enjoy. You know, we like what we like. Just do it. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've stopped really trying to figure it all out. Yeah. I, I, although I did, interestingly enough, have a pretty big realization not too long ago of why I like violent, rough sex. Because I like to, my toxic femininity likes to play with toxic masculinity, and that's the expression of toxic right. masculinity, right? Yeah. Is violence and roughness. So I like to play in that element. But one of the things about my master slave dynamic is it is, he is divine masculine, yep. right? He's, he doesn't harbor toxic masculinity. 
And that's when my divine feminine gets to come out and play. Yeah. So it's a very nurturing, healing dynamic. And we do not have rough sex <laughs> at all, ever. It is so gentle and loving and <laughs> amazing and connecting. Now, some of the things, the kinks that we do to each other, those or that he does to me, that's kind of violent sometimes. But in terms of sex, it's very not violent. And so it's been an interesting um, realization around the toxic versus the divine. Yeah, but that's, that's really cool. That's a whole conversation. That, that's really, really cool. That <laughs> I sort can of talk on that hours. I know you can. And that's why I'm going <laughs> to stop you now. Um, <laughs> because we, we have been talking for over an hour. Um, over an hour and 15 minutes now, actually. Um, so we'll, we'll finish off on two questions. Um, the first one is they're, they're both sort of the same uh, in the advice side of things. Um, somebody just getting first getting into the kink scene, uh, what would be your advice for somebody doing that? Just one piece of advice. One small piece of advice. Explore your boundaries and limits and what it is that you really like. Mm-hmm. Like spend some time in that space of exploration and know when to say no and use your no. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty spot on uh, for what I would do as well. So the other thing that I would do is learn, I would say, is learn from as many people as you can if you find something you do like. Um just purely because and, and I've used this analogy before in um, uh, in an episode that I did with Swinging Down Under is the the Star Wars sort of thing that if you follow one person they might not actually be as good as you think they are so in, in Star Wars obviously Anakin follows Senator Palpatine and he turns out to be um, turns out to be really really quite bad in the end of it I can't Darth Sidious and becomes the evil emperor on the other side. Um, but because he followed that one person, he also became evil and then became Darth Vader. So if you follow multiple people instead of just one, then you've got more of a chance of getting what's right, I guess, out of out of what you're wanting to do, rather than one person who could potentially turn bad. So that's what I would add to that as well. That was such a lovely, nerdy analogy. <laughs> And I have no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> I didn't think you would, but it. I have a relatively nerdy audience, so they're they're gonna know, thankfully. So I'm gonna be going. I'm over super nerdy. It's super. But I just can't get into Star Wars. What? It's not my jam. I know we can have this conversation later. But I am really nerdy. I love to play like board game or like games. So I'm into like Dominion and like Seven Wonders. I was on the debate team. Like I'm, I'm really nerdy. I bet you're Star the kind Wars. Of, you're the kind of girl that likes the game Risk, aren't you? No. No. Man, I'm getting it all wrong. No. Risk is amazing. I like. I I mean, it could be. I've never played. Ah, okay. But it, it'd be fun. Um, I think I'd be more into Dungeons and Dragons than Risk. That's not surprising. I'm just gonna. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, though. Yeah, but it's just like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. I just really... I just really can't get into it. I think it's because I have ADD. 
you're talking to a New Zealander here, you cannot say a bad word about Lord of the Rings. That's, I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I'm just saying I can't get into it. <laughs> I know. Because Lord of the Rings, my ADD, I'm like, could you people do something else besides walk? Yeah, no, that's You've been enough. walking in the same direction for hours. Go another way. Like, try another path. I don't know. Just do something else because my brain is, like, about to explode. I do, like, um, you know, like, things like Game of Thrones. That's yeah. my jam. That's because somebody well, dies in every other like episode, that. though. I know, and I'm sadly rooting for Cersei. Not because I want her to win, but because she kind of needs to. Right, okay. I don't want the happy ending. I don't. Of course you don't. As uh, much as I love incest play, I don't want Jon Snow, and this is totally taking a completely different direction. Hey, you, I don't okay, want no, Jon no, Snow. and You can't say that you don't want Jon Snow and then to win because of incest when you had Cersei and Jamie Lannister. Well, right. No, that's fine. I'm super into incest play. I just feel like with Jon Snow and um, the Queen of the Dragons, yeah. they that's the happy ending that everyone wants, and I don't want there to be a happy ending. None of the rest of the show has been happy. Don't give us, like, a fairy tale ending. Like, fucking put Cersei on the throne. <laughs> Joffrey comes back to Or, like, Sansa. Like... Just like I'd be, I'd even be okay with that because I think she's turning evil. So like you can put her on the throne and really just fuck things up. It does sort of seem that way, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah. anyway, moving on. Last question, uh, around the same sort of thing. Somebody who has sort of perhaps just realised that they're poly or are interested in going polyamorous or into the relationship anarchy side of things. Um, what is a piece of advice you'd give to someone like that? I feel like there's like the traditional advice of like read the books and listen to podcasts and stuff like that. So I'm not going to say that piece. What I'm going to say is work on your shit. Yeah. Work on yourself, do personal growth, do personal development, because there are going to be thoughts and feelings and emotions that come up that you have never experienced before in your entire life. Oh, yeah. And it's not the other person's fault. It will never be the other person, or it will rarely be the other person's fault, right? It is stuff that is coming up in you that you need to learn to recognize and deal with yourself. So read some self-help books, meditate, whatever you need to do to like get your emotional shit together Yeah. before and you drag other people into your world. Yeah, and we, we've talked about this before as well, right? And that I have a big belief around what jealousy actually is because jealousy is one of the main fear, one of the main things that people think they feel when they go into polyamory or even swinging or anything like that um for me jealousy is a conglomeration of a whole bunch of different feelings and you know that side of things so there's going to be it's going to be hatred it's going to be you know anger there's going to be sadness there's going to be a whole bunch of things come into there's going to be fear of missing out whole bunch of it comes into the feeling of what people call jealousy. And if you can break down what that jealousy is and look inside yourself and actually see why you're feeling these things, then I, I think you're going to go a long way from that point. So there's a lot of self-reflection involved with it. And like you said, it's never the other person. It's a, There's always going to be something with you as part of that and, and the way that you're reacting and feeling. 
So if you're able to look inside and actually extract why you're feeling these certain ways, then you can go a long way into being even more awesome than what you already are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and really like uncovering why you're feeling those feelings. So let's say it is a feeling of hatred, right. Mm -hmm. Or fear of missing out or something like that. It's like, why are you experiencing that? Is it because you don't feel worthy? Is it because you don't feel good enough? Is it because you don't feel, do you feel like you're being abandoned? Like they're like underlying things that is going on in you that's sparking these feelings, right? Like I have a deep fear of abandonment and I also never feel like I'm good enough. So like anytime I start to have icky feelings, it's going to come back to one of those two things. Yeah. Almost every single time. And then you and can so talk like about it from that point like, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of my conversations with my partner start out, okay, so when we start talking about feelings, I'm like, well, because I grew up in an abusive family, this particular thing that you did is triggering this particular feeling. And I recognize it's not your fault and I'm working on it. But just so you know, like that thing triggers this feeling in me. Yeah. So like if I snap at you, that's why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's a lot of a lot of that talk. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, we've been talking for a long time now, so I will let you go. I do know that it's getting late there. It's still mid afternoon slash early evening for me. So thank you very, very much for being on. At this point, you're gonna plug yourself and and we're gonna do that in in the non dirty way, I think. So where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nadia Black. So that's N-A-U-G-H-T-I-A Black. You can also find me on Instagram, Nadia Black. And I'm also on FetLife as Nadia Black. You can find me on my podcast, Deviance Podcast. You can find that at deviancepodcast.com. So that's D-E-V-I-A-N-T-S podcast.com. And that's about all the... Oh, and I have a Facebook page now. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Deviance Podcast. Awesome. And guys, really do go and check this podcast out. I listened to the first few episodes and it's it's really, really cool. There's great open discussions around all things. Um, At the moment, the first season is sexually deviant. uh, Sexual deviance. So there's, um, there's one around relationship anarchy with Eleanor G. You spoke to... Another guy about um, wrestling and that side of things as well. Erotic wrestling. Yeah, erotic wrestling. <laughs> yeah, we so, have another episode around like um, sexual liberation is human liberation. So we get into like kind of a, a, the philosophical side to a lot of this stuff. But there's a lot of good folk coming up, including Simon. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm on there. It's I'm a on good there. Show. But yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah, really do go and check that out and. Um, definitely leave a review on her podcast as well because it is really really cool and all feedback does help doesn't it it does and you know i have a feeling that people are gonna hit me up on twitter just to debate my feelings on star wars and lord of the rings and how i think that game of thrones should end like we've said all this other really cool stuff and everyone's just gonna be like how dare you not like star wars i'm gonna be like i'm sorry all right so people that's what's gonna happen bombard Nordia's Twitter about Star Wars. 
<laughs> we need to turn Nautia into a Star Wars fan. Come on, guys. We can do this. <laughs> I mean, Anakin is hot. Like, I could... Like, I could get into that, but he's a terrible actor. Like, his face looks so good, okay. and you, then his acting skills. You, you need to not watch the first but. three films, episode one, two, and three. Just get rid of them. It's the other ones that you need to watch, four, five, six, seven. Like, 52. Four, five, like, six, haven't, yeah. there's been, like, another, like, 13 no, no, no. since Disney no, bought them. No, you just, need, you just need four, five, and six. The original, I think I've seen the original that. trilogy. That's that's top notch. Okay, we can watch them together when you come down and visit. We I, can I, have a Star Wars marathon. <laughs> I'm there for like three days. I'm gonna I feel like this is it. now turning into like a weird kink. Like <laughs> you're gonna just force me to watch the Star Wars things, like. I'm going to be tied to a, like a sawhorse thing and you're going to have the fucking machine and like Star Wars is going to be playing and then there's just going to be like spanking and paddling and flogging. I, mean, I just developed our scene. Right? Yeah, I'm not against that in any way, <laughs> shape or form. <laughs> oh, dear me. And then like anyway. the needles kind of play. <laughs> Let me put in the formal request now and we'll get, we'll get this going. <laughs> so Yeah, so whenever Simon comes over... I want to do all of these things while watching Star Wars. <laughs> yes, while being forced to watch Star Wars. Yeah, this yeah. can be something of an accord. I can't want to do it. <laughs> oh, goodness me. What a way to end this episode. <laughs> Thank you very, very much for, for speaking to me um, today about literally everything um, that probably could be. We could probably fit in a whole bunch more stuff because we tend to talk a lot, um, both of us, so they, you could probably get another two hours out of us if we kept on going, but yeah, thank you very, very much, it's been an absolute pleasure, and yeah. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. No worries, we'll talk soon. Slamaste. Discipline, I gotta have you dust on the right
You wanna fight me? You, you, you 